Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. One more broadcast to add to all the many broadcasts that we have made right here on our website. We are so glad that you are with us today. Amen. In the midst of of all the chaos and all the crisis around the world, this is not just infecting and affecting America here where this broadcast originates, North America, but it's affecting the entire world. Uh, the world is in turmoil, but there is hope today, and that hope is found in the God of all hope. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. We're so glad that we have a hope. Uh, the Bible calls it in the New Testament a, a lively hope, literally a living hope hope in Jesus Christ, amen, and in God our Father today. And we are here today with the Holy Spirit, amen, because I've asked him uh, to come and be uh, a, a, a very real part of this Bible study today, amen, so that you on the other end sense the presence of God and hear the truth in such a way that you can assimilate it and you can apply it to your life and I can apply it to my life today. I love the Word of God because it's alive as well. We don't just have a living hope. We've got living Word today. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Hallelujah. So we want to get some understanding and some instructions from the Word of God today. Amen. How, how, how many people in this listening audience want a heart that is clean? You know, uh, I want a clean heart before the Lord. That's what Psalm 50, this is a little, this is not even the message yet, but I feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit to set this teaching up by by having a goal that we want to achieve uh, and that is that our hearts are pure and clean before the Lord. Psalm 51, uh, this great psalm of repentance of David, King David, part of his repentance psalms. He says, create in, wash me with hyssop and I shall be clean. <laughs> create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart, O God. He, he was not just asking forgiveness for his sins that he had committed alone. He's asking for a change in his heart, attitude, uh, and atmosphere of his heart, which caused him to commit those sins. You'll see how this ties in. I didn't even know how it was going to tie in until I sat down at the microphone, opened the Word of God today. But the Holy Spirit is here to help us to learn. I want that clean heart before the Lord today. How about you? Amen. So we're going to talk about something today that I believe will help us have a clean heart, and that is the four taproot sins that brought Sodom to destruction. The four. Now, there are glaring sins that are a result of the root sins and then, and actually the iniquity that brought forth those root sins. But there are four taproot sins. Remember what Jesus said when he cursed the fig tree? He cursed it and nothing happened. And they thought, boy, that's odd because Jesus says things and things happen just like that. He cursed the fig tree and nothing happened, but the next day it had withered. You know why? Because he cursed it at the root. 
And it took a while to see the manifestation of that curse. But it happened because once the taproot is cut, the plant can't draw nourishment and live any longer. John the Baptist, in his message of repentance, said, Now the axe is laid to the root. Amen. Well, we want to get down to the root problems that caused uh, Sodom to get into such sin that the Scripture said that their sins had reached heaven and God sent angels on a mission of destruction. Well, God has sent me, and I'm not a celestial being. I'm a, I'm a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, a proclaimer of the good word of God today. But God has not sent me to destroy, but to instruct today. And if you'll receive this instruction as I receive it with you, I believe we're going to get down to some root problems that can cause great, great calamitous sins in our life if we don't deal with them. So come with me because I believe one of the keys to the turnaround in this situation that we are in is when the church leads the way in repentance and revival. No, not when the world leads the way or the world, whether they do, whether they do not. I know, amen, that God is waiting for us, listen, the scripture said, if my people which are called by my name, amen, my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way. I'll hear from heaven. I'll heal their land. Friend, we have a land in need of a healing in our families, in our nation, in globally. We are in a, a broken, hurting world. And we are headed for the great tribulation. We're headed for the soon coming of Jesus. But I believe that God wants to bring in a last day harvest of souls just before that. And I've asked the Lord of the harvest, hallelujah, the mighty Holy Spirit, amen, to come today. And I believe he's right here with us and right there with you today. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 49. And as we begin to read with this in mind, the four taproot sins that brought Sodom to destruction. And the reason that's important today is because those sins that brought them to this place where God was obligated to judge with that fire from heaven are sins that are not only in every human being's fallen nature, but they may even be in us as Christians. And we want to make sure that, that, that's, that those, those, those tap roots, the axe is laid to the root of them. Amen. God wants to do something big in the lives of His people, and God wants to showcase His glorious bride to the world before He takes us out of the world. I believe a last day revival is on God's agenda. I want to be one of the ones that participates in it. How about you? Ezekiel 16:49. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. I want to stop right here and deal with the word iniquity. You know, it said in Isaiah 53, Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. 
That's our sins and the consequence of them. Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. You see, transgression of the law is sin. Sin is transgression of the law, and we've all sinned in that respect. No one has kept the law perfectly. We've all transgressed. And the Scripture goes so far in the New Covenant to say, He that sins in one point is guilty of the whole law. That's why the best of us, the most pure of us in in without the blood of Jesus can never achieve the standard that God has set. And God knew we could not, so He has provided a lamb. He has provided a way through Jesus Christ. Thank God for Jesus and thank God for the Father who loved us enough to give His Son to be that sacrifice in our behalf. Amen. Listen, behold, this was the iniquity. Jesus was bruised for our iniquity. Amen. He was, he was, he was chastised for our peace was upon him, but he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquity. And this is a, this is showing what would happen at the cross in the new covenant when it's, when it came, when Jesus gave his life on the cross. He would pay the penalty for our sin and he would move in our hearts to change the atmosphere and attitude of our heart. You see, sin is the outworking of iniquity. Iniquity is the, is the evil in the heart that produces the sin. And what is promised in the new covenant, <laughs> I will take out the heart of stone and I'll replace it with a heart of flesh. A heart that will heed the word of God. A heart that wants to obey God. A heart that seeks after righteousness. A heart that doesn't pursue evil. Hallelujah. So behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. In other words, these are the taproot attitudes of heart that produced all the sins that brought such a terrible judgment upon them. Listen to them carefully. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. When we think of the sins of Sodom, we generally think of certain glaring, evident, and obvious sins. The, 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 the homosexuality that, that, that coined the phrase sodomy, uh, that was part of those sins that reached heaven. But we don't think of the root causes of those sins. And here in the Word of God, God says it begins, it all begins with pride. In Proverbs sixteen eighteen, it said, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Someone has rightfully said that pride is the sin that made an angel the devil. Pride is the sin that made an angel the devil. If you turn with me to Ezekiel 28, 
verses 14 through 17. Ezekiel 28, verses 14 through 17. And this is beginning to speak about an earthly king and then about an evil entity that has fallen from heaven and why he fell. And I want you to watch with me for pride to appear as the fundamental attitude that brought the rebellion that got Satan demoted from a, a high-ranking angel and becoming the, the prince of darkness. Listen, Ezekiel twenty-eight fourteen through 17, you'll look at the shift from the earthly to the heavenly and from an earthly king of Tyrus to the, the prince of darkness. Listen to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. Say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden. Now this is not. This is, this, we're, we're moving from the earth plane to the spiritual plane. We're moving from an earthly king. We're now talking about, just like the prince of Persia that, that held up Daniel's prayer. There was no prince over that area. When that was written, it was talking about a demonic power in the heavenlies and, and relating it to, to the, to an earthly king when we're talking about a spiritual entity. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of the Lord. You were there at creation. You were in Eden. And every precious stone was thy covering. Before he was cursed, I want you to know there was nothing devilish looking about the devil. And that's why it's so absolutely deceptive today, because it's no marvel, the New Covenant says, the New Testament. If Satan himself be transformed as an angel of light and his ministers, his minions, his demons, as preachers of righteousness... That is a serious, serious scripture to be considered. Someone said one time, everything that glitters is not gold. There is something called fool's gold that looks like gold. And people got excited over it, but it couldn't stand the test to see that it was pure. And it was not pure. And they called it fool's gold. The devil wants to make a fool out of Christians who do not study the Word of God. Now, I've been a pastor evangelist for 46 years and counting. And I have seen the counterfeits. And and it's no marvel that counterfeits are going to come along. People claiming to be what they are not. They, the, Jesus commended the the. the commended the church in the book of Revelation, said, Thou hast tried them that say they are apostles and are not, and thou hast found them to be liars. This judge not, judge nobody. This is not about judging their heart. It's not about, it's about judging their doctrine and their, and their behavior. A friend of mine, God knows their heart. And God only can be their final judge. But we can judge doctrine. We must judge doctrine. For the scripture said, even if an angel bring you another gospel, let him be anathema. Let him be accursed. How would you know if an angel appeared as an angel of light, glowing and beautiful, instead of dark and devilish? How would we know? 
How could we discern that? Because we know the gospel well enough to know if someone is speaking contradictory to it, then they are not speaking by the Spirit of God, though they appear as a preacher of righteousness, a teacher of righteousness, or even a heavenly being. God's people need to grow up because we're in the last days when many false prophets shall go out into the earth and deceive many. Amen. God wants us to be children of light. (laughs) Hallelujah. Children of understanding. Listen carefully. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of the Lord. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, and the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and, and gold, the workmanship of their t- tabrets, and all of thy pipes, musical instruments, were prepared in thee in the day thou wast created. Amen. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. And I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Remember Isaiah chapter 6. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. He said, Woe is me, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. And an angel goes and takes a stone from the altar the fiery stone and presses it to his lips and it doesn't blister his lips, but it brings a sanctification to him that he can speak the pure, holy word of God. Amen. Listen, thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day thou wast created till iniquity, there's that word, was found in thee. Listen to verse 16. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. Thou hast sinned, therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. This this archangel that ministered in the presence of God himself. Listen to verse 17. Here's the pride. Thy heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. You know, the prince of darkness was once an angel reflecting the glory of God because he ministered in the presence of God. This bright, brilliant being was now because iniquity was found in him. Before the actual sin came forth, this rebellion he led, this persuasive rebellion that led a third part of the angels in rebellion against God, and they were cast out with him. You know, uh, Lucifer is not a name that you would name one of your children, right? Never (laughs) just call him Lou for short. No, nobody names their children Lucifer. You may name uh, your junkyard dog Lucifer. But Lucifer connotates evil wickedness in the devil himself. But the name Lucifer means light bearer in the Hebrew. Light bearer. Listen, 
If you're expecting the devil to show up in that red jumpsuit with a forked tail and a pitchfork and horns and red eyes that glow, no, he's not coming as that. He's coming with the deception because he knows how to mimic the 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 brightness and the glory of a pure angelic being but iniquity was found in him his heart was lifted up because of his beauty thou hast corrupted thy wisdom verse 17 by reason of thy brightness i will cast thee to the ground i'll lay thee before kings that they may behold thee Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thy iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore, I will bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that beheld thee. You know, the scripture says in a portion that, that when they see him, Cast down in his true form, uh, they will say, Is this he that deceived the nations? Is this he that deceived the nations? You see, it's not his power. It's his deceptiveness. It's the wiles of the devil that the armor protects us against and gives us victory over. Thy heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. This is pride as the fundamental sin that allows all the other evil to come forth and exist. Friend of mine, you can see that. You can see that developing in the evil one himself and in every one of us, in our flesh. And Paul said it well, didn't he? He said, in my flesh, there is no good thing and he was con- god was concerned about him becoming a, a a prisoner of pride falling into the trap of pride and that's why and the bible said there was an evil spirit sent to buffet him to buffet him to buffet him the devil an emissary from the devil to buffet him to always be coming against him and he prayed three times According to the book of Acts, he prayed for God to take this from him. And three times the answer was no by virtue of no answer from heaven. And finally, as he waited before the Lord, the answer came and God said, I don't have to take this from you. I can give you victory in spite of it. You can overcome this. There's a purpose in it that you don't understand initially. But he said, he said, lest I be lifted up above measure. There it is. That's the danger. Even to a man who God chose in to use so mightily, there was danger that even in his accomplishments for God, pride could enter. And he, so he was always in a situation where he was desperate for God's help. He was always needing God in his life. Amen. Remember, remember what God said to Saul, King Saul, when thou was little in thine own eyes, God made you a king. Amen. When you didn't see yourself as some great, mighty person, but when you saw yourself as unworthy and God promoted you, 
Amen. God made you king when you were little in your own eyes. But when he got lifted up, he began to quit listening to the prophets. He began to quit listening to God. You know, people that are, are, are lifted up today, and sometimes we as Christians put ministers on a pedestal. We, we help them get to that place where, and that doesn't mean to not commend. I thank God for every letter saying, Pastor Venable, you're doing a good job, or Pastor Venable, you're being a blessing to me. Uh, I don't believe there's a great danger in falling into the pride of the superstars of today. But there's always a danger that I will take credit for something God and only God can do. So I'm going to say to all of you, thank you. That bless me in some way. But I'm going to say up front, amen, except for the grace of God. I am whatever I am. Whatever is accomplished in my life and ministry is by the grace of God through the appointing of God to ministry and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to God be the glory. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna reflect the glory of God as I magnify him, but I'm gonna deflect the glory of God from myself to him as often as I can, because this is a dangerous, dangerous attitude of heart that produces a multitude of sins. So number one is pride. Pride is the sin that made an angel a devil. Pride is the sin that made an angel the devil. You know, in the Old Testament, it says six things the Lord doth hate. Seven are an abomination to him. And number one on the list of abominable sins to God is pride, is pride. God resist the proud. I played football. <laughs> I was the smallest guy on the team in stature, but I had a big heart <laughs> and I wanted, I wanted to impress the cheerleaders anyway. Amen. <laughs> I wasn't, it wasn't so much team spirit as I had some ulterior motives there. Amen. <laughs> and I love to hear my name called out. I was number 53. That was my jersey. Oh no, it's not hanging anywhere behind the glass. I, but I, cause I, I didn't, I wasn't a quarterback. I didn't get the glory of the quarterback or the person who caught the ball. I, I was a, a right guard. Amen. And, and I, I don't know how I made the line because I was small of stature, but I had that heart and it helped me to, uh, to get in on some tackles that made a difference in some games. And I love to hear, I love to hear Robert Venable, number 53, in on a tackle, a key tackle that could keep the other team from scoring. I love the glory of that. And that's, that's pride. And it's okay to be, uh, be proud of your accomplishments to a degree. But I didn't know God then. I didn't know how to give him the glory for it. I love it when a sports star that's highly accomplished gives God the glory. Now, is it sincere? God knows the heart. But I love it when someone says, God, 
Thank God for giving me the ability. Thank God for giving me that victory. Thank God for giving me the strength, for giving me the, how, how to, the understanding to do this. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. Friend of mine, sometimes trials come. And sometimes He takes us through instead of keeping us from because of the danger of pride. Amen. God resists the proud. And where I was going to go there, one one thing that I did know about football, there's something called the stiff arm. And that is when someone's trying to tackle you, if you did have the ball, you're running with it, you hold your arm out against them so they can't get close enough to grab you. You stiff or you can't punch them. <laughs> you, you just hold your arm out. you rigid against them. And it's called the stiff arm. I don't want a stiff arm from God when I need help so desperately. That's why the first thing to deal with in prayer, in intercession, is pride. If my people, which are called by my name, would pray in faith, pray in power, pray in... Listen, if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray, would humble themselves Prayer starts with humility. It doesn't even start with great faith initially. It starts with humble dependency. Amen. And if we can overcome our flesh's tendency to pride, we won't get no stiff arm from God. We will get the mighty hand of God moving as we pray in intercession and we will see victories like we've never seen before. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He will exalt you in due season. In due season. What does that mean? It doesn't mean when you think you're ready for advancement. (laughs) Amen. It means when God knows that that advancement will not cast you into pride. Hallelujah. Friend of mine, I hope you're listening today. I believe that we're on the, on the cusp of a mighty move of God. But it's when His people begin to humble ourselves and then pray from that posture of humility in faith believing, we're going to see God move. And we're going to see mountains move because God is on the move. And if the mountains are in the way of the move of God, <laughs> hallelujah, we can speak to the mountain and God is going to move the mountain. And when it moves, we will give God all the glory and we will give God all the credit for that move. Hallelujah. There is none greater. There is none with more grace and mercy than our God today. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and He will exalt you in due season. Let's don't entertain the iniquity that brought the sins of Sodom and brought Sodom to destruction. Let's don't allow that tap root to begin to grow in our life a stubbornness through pride. And today, if you do not know Christ as your Savior, 
You know, the Bible said the God of this world has blinded the minds of men. The Greek word is tefluo, and it's from a root word that means to lift up in pride. Don't try to stand in stubborn rebellion against the grace of God that is reaching out to you today. Bow your heart and bow your head and come to Christ. Run to Christ. This is where your soul spends eternity. Who are you trying to impress with your bravado? You need Him. I need Him. There's nothing weak about running to God. It's wisdom. You can stand when the world's on fire and not be afraid. And you cannot fear the wrath to come. And you can be ready for the coming of Jesus. If you'll bow your heart, bow your head, defeat the enemy, and receive His grace and love and mercy as you repent of your sin. In Jesus' name.